Let's start with the collect of the day, which is really rich. I hope I can refer to it later. Uh, let's have, pay attention to the collect. O oh God, who on this day taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. That's a very rich collect. We're going to come back to that. There's so much to be said on the, the day of Pentecost. There's so much going on in our world, and uh, I'm going to try to keep this to a reasonable amount of time. When I was 13 years old, living on a farm in Canada, uh, having recently graduated from a one-room schoolhouse, which had burgeoned into a two-room schoolhouse, our cousins came for a visit in the summertime. They came from the city, and uh, we had a fun time together. When it was finished, my cousin Kenny asked me if, uh, when they were ready to go back home if I'd like to come with them for a visit to stay at their house. They asked if I'd like to go. It was July of 1967, and they lived in the suburbs of Detroit. The Detroit race riots the so-called 12th Street Riot had just erupted, and as we drove to Detroit and heard on the radio news of the developments of the riot, and as we drove through the city, to the city, we had to make a decision to get over the bridge or under the tunnel because we had to cross the river from Canada into America. And so we decided to take the tunnel because there was reports of shooting on the bridge. Remember, I was a very sheltered 13-year-old boy. As we drove in the sunken freeway through the city, I could see houses burning on either side. There was men standing on the bridge that looked ominous. It occurred, the riots occurred during a period of fever pitch racial strife, and there were numerous race riots across America. Only the New York draft riots of 1863 had been more destructive. By the time the bloodshed, burning, and looting had ended after five days, 43 people were dead, 342 injured, nearly 1,400 buildings had been burned, and some 7,000 National Guard and U.S. Army troops had been called into service. Fifty years ago, our country has been through this before. We have weathered the storm. We will get through it. But we cannot be complacent in the face of injustice and violence. I led a sheltered, idyllic life, and can clearly remember the first person of color I ever met. His name was Bernie Smith. He was a supply teacher at our school who had himself lived through the Kent State shootings at his university and had moved to a small town in Canada. We ended up being lifelong friends, and he passed away this year. So I grew up in a very monochromatic family and community, very idyllic and sheltered. Well, now I have a precious daughter-in-law and sister-in-law and niece and nephew and friends who are all African-American. And it's made me think, how do they feel when they're walking the streets of our cities by themselves, when they're pulled over for speeding, when they're parking their car in a parking lot? George Floyd, Amud Arbery. Breonna Taylor. The list seems to go on and on. And last night was the fifth night of protests across America. 
on top of a global COVID pandemic, on top of an economy struggling to reboot, on top of schools that are in limbo and churches struggling to regather. And so on the day of Pentecost, what do we say? On this Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the church, the birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and I struggle to know what to say or what I should say, or more importantly, what is the Spirit saying? Because we sometimes don't know what to say, and because there's a plethora of voices and perspectives and data points, and we're seeking clarity, we seem to end up with confusion, we're increasingly polarized, and we are cowed into silence. The question often asked, especially by school children that I interact with, when will things get back to normal? And is it time for a new normal? Is there an opportunity here to have a new conversation? And can the church model conversations? Conversations that are gracious and graceful, respectful and productive, even if we don't agree, even if we see things differently. Can we have conversations that do not descend into shouting matches and spouting of cliches and party taglines. It seems that everything gets politicized and polarized. There's no doubt that there are people who infiltrate these peaceful protests and gatherings. They, they infiltrate them to hijack them for their own purposes. There's no doubt that people have good cause and every right to protest. And we would agree that these protests should not descend into riots and looting and violence. But what does the media cover? I don't see very much media coverage of the peaceful protests because our TV screens are filled with the burning and looting and destruction. What about the message? The message gets lost. The message is not getting through. And 50 years after Detroit, we are still dealing with the same thing. What do we need? A new system, a new strategy, a new approach, a new political party? Or do we need a new relationship with God and a new heart? Pentecost is about speaking. If you have the bulletin with you in the reading, uh, we'll have a look at the passage in the book of Acts. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Doesn't that sound like the good old days? Don't we long just to be back together, all together in the same place? Remember those days. Well, Pentecost was not a Christian holiday in the beginning. It was a Jewish holiday, a harvest festival, Shavuot. And it, meant, it means 50 days, as David has helped me with. Um, and 50 days after the Passover was the beginning of harvest, and they would bring their first fruits to the temple. It was one of the three great festivals of the Jewish calendar when they were required to go to the temple with their first fruits. So it's interesting when, when Paul in Romans 8 says, We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we await adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Not only is the Spirit referred to as first fruits, but we ourselves, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, for we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation 
through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Now, after the destruction of the temple, people could no longer bring their first fruits there, and so the emphasis shifted from a harvest festival to the receiving of the law on Mount Sinai. As you know, an event attended by great signs of thunder and lightning and a trumpet blowing. And so as God gave the law to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, so now God gives his spirit with similar dramatic signs. Now, let's have a look at Acts. Um, So we have these signs. We have people from different nations. There's some kind of language going on that they can understand. But let's not uh, lose sight of the fact that what they were mainly doing was speaking. Let's not be distracted by the difficult names. Uh, Father David drew the short straw to have to read the second Acts, second chapter of Acts with all those names. But let's not lose sight of the fact that what they were doing when the Spirit came was speaking. It says in verse 4, they began to speak. In verse 6, they heard them speaking. In verse 7, are not all these speaking Galileans? In verse 11, they're speaking And then it's not until verse 11 we hear what the message is. What were they speaking? Verse 11, it says they were speaking about God's deeds of power. We need that today to speak into the world we're inhabiting. We need to remind ourselves and remind the world that God is a God of great deeds of power. If we will invite him, make room for him. Pentecost is often seen as the reverse of Babel, when God confused the languages of the people who are coming together in their presumptuousness to build something up to the heavens by themselves to stay together, whereas God had given them a mission to spread out. And so part of the judgment of Babel was to move out. And the same thing is happening in the day of Pentecost. They are, not, they are gathered, but God is giving them the ability to go out. And then further on down, the word speaking turns to prophecy. And so it's citing the prophet Joel in verse 17. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and I will pour out my spirit. In verse 18, they shall prophesy. Now prophesy, what do the prophets do when they prophesy? It's not just predicting the future. It is calling people to account. It's speaking about justice. It's speaking about uh, conversion and repentance and getting back on track with God's will. And so we too, with the Spirit, need to speak those prophetic words to our world of God's power, of our need for God, and his ability to make a difference. And we don't get to verse 21 until we see the purpose of declaring God's power in verse 21, so that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're in the midst of turmoil, and I want to give a shout-out to Father David, who mentioned last week that the word comfort doesn't just mean a padding and a putting to sleep, but it's coming with power, with strength, strength to make ourselves more like God, strength to protect ourselves, but strength to get involved with the pain of the world. As the disciples gathered in the upper room because they were afraid, afraid of the Jews, afraid of those who had arranged the death of their master, Jesus comes with his breath and the Holy Spirit and gives them a mission. And right away we see them going forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 2 Timothy, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, 
but rather a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. And so when we celebrate the birthday of the church, it indicates that we should be growing up. The birthdays, our birthdays are reminders that we are growing, developing skills, developing courage, developing the ability to speak with one another. And so we too as a church need to make sure that we are growing into the people God calls us to be. A.W. Tozer said, A scared world needs a fearless church. And so we need to connect. And we take this message from Acts about speaking and learning how to speak, learning how to ask questions, learning how to connect, to ask people that we don't know, how are you? What's happened? What's the matter? What can I do? What can we do together? I thought of Father David's uh, illustration about comfort meaning strength, and it made me think of a musical term, forte. When the musicians come to forte, they play loud. And we need to become somewhat loud so that God's voice is heard, so that our voices are heard. So this week is uh, Pentecost, and next week is Trinity Sunday. So we celebrate not only that the Holy Spirit came, but that the Holy Spirit in his coming has revealed the fullness of the triune God. He is God himself. And what used to be called the Trinity season is now called the Pentecost season, where we have this many weeks in the life of the church to live out our speaking and connecting, our loving and our uh, prophetic word to make this world a better place. So on this day of Pentecost, may we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, to give us strength, to give us words, to give us motivation, to bring glory to him and a blessing to this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.